What's up everyone, Joshua Dobbs here. I'm here with my man Trey Smith, and today we have the honor of sitting down with a man who wears many hats. CBS analyst, he's the voice of Madden, as well as a Tennessee Sports Hall of Famer. We're here with VFL Charles Davis. What's up my man, how you doing? I'm doing great, I'm with you, I'm with Trey Smith. The guys behind the scenes are Vols too, all right? Beach and Thomas, it's an all Vol party. Well, what, what can be wrong with that? I'm very, very excited. And, and beyond that, I'm honored to have me on with the two of you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, Charles, can you just touch a little bit on how you fell in love with the game of football? I know just myself personally being a Tennessee native, growing up yeah. in Tennessee, you're from Elizabethan. What was it like, you know, growing up, getting experiencing uh, time with the balls and growing in love with the game of football? You know, Trey, it was pretty easy for me. I grew up in a house. They love sports. I grew up in a house where my dad was a player and a coach. He's an HBCU quarterback, so he and Josh could exchange a few notes. My dad played yep. at Bluefield State in West Virginia. And so I just kind of grew up in it and was about it all the time. And the beauty was I didn't have parents that discouraged me from doing it. Because many people, you know, discourage you from loving it so much. Like sports, what sports going to bring? You got to, you know, you got to have a future. And my dad always said, why can't sports be your future? Right. And boy, he was right about that. So I'm pretty fortunate he and my mom supported that. Without a doubt. Uh, Charles, what was your first encounter with John Ward like? You know, I always heard stories about John Ward. I mean, he's an absolute legend in terms of the VFL space, in terms of media with the University of Tennessee as well. Can you speak a little bit on him? Yeah, I really can. And and for for Mr. Ward, you know, the, the voice of the Vols for so many years, I redshirted my first year. So listening to him when the team was on the road, because back then every game didn't make it onto television. I know, I know, so hold for shock. I get it. But back then they didn't all make it that way. In fact, I'll give you guys a quick one. When I played, they would put the names on the back of our jerseys for TV games. If it wasn't a TV game, we didn't have names on the back of our jerseys. So if there's no, if there, if there's no cameras <laughs> at the stadium, you guys were just blank we just, played it just. It's just number just 10 out there. Big orange around. and a number. Big orange and a number. But a TV game, you have the name on the back of your jersey. And a lot of schools did that back then. I'm not sure why they didn't just go with one and leave it. But, hey, more power to them. But anyway, with Mr. Ward, when the team was on the road, I'm listening to the game, and you listen to him paint that beautiful picture, and you quickly realize you're in the midst of greatness because he's ours. Now, in the SEC, in the South, Every school claims their play-by-play person as their person. I mean, Beach would be able to tell you about it all the way mm-hmm. through. Whoever it was, Mississippi State, it was Jack Crystal. At Georgia, it was Larry Munson. And at, 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 uh, at, at Florida, it was Mick Huber. And right on down the line, John Ward was our treasure. Right? He was our guy. And I remember my freshman year as a redshirt thinking to myself, Trey, if I could ever get on that field and have John Ward say my name, Charles Davis from New Paltz, New York, via Elizabethan, Tennessee. If I could ever get that, I knew I was in heaven. And then we played Bama my redshirt freshman year. We beat them there for the first time in Birmingham. Back then we played them in Birmingham. I saw such a dinosaur, don't I? That that old stadium, right? (laughs) And we beat them there for the first time in 11 years. So it was back-to-back years. We'd won in Knoxville and upset the year before. We upset them in Birmingham the next year. I remember we were waiting for the plane. The buses had landed, stopped at the tarmac. We're waiting for the plane. And Mr. Ward turns to me and goes, Charles Davis, heard your comments earlier this week as we went into the game. 
I thought you handled yourself nicely. I could have flown back to Knoxville minus plane. <laughs> I could have been Space Ghost. <laughs> brought it on in because John Ward had said something nice to me. So there you go. And then, of course, he became a mentor of mine, helped me get to where I am. I won't bore you with that. Many have heard the story. But he gave me my first opportunity on a spring game at Tennessee. Knew I wouldn't be prepared. Had preparation ready for me. Had boards and spotting things waiting for me. Because he knew I didn't know what I was doing. And then mentored me from that day forward. And uh, I just always wanted him to be proud of me. Always tried to keep in contact and make sure I was thinking about him too. Charles, I know, I know we're going to hop into, um, you know, your Madden and everything. But I love hearing you tell stories. Because literally, like just sitting in front of the uh, Xbox playing Madden, just hearing your voice, it sounds literally identical. When we got the job eight years ago, they were starting something new, as you were alluding to, Beach. Madden wanted now, because it used to be whatever the game was when it dropped in August, that was the game you played until the next August. There were no mm -hmm. updates, there were no extras, no, no nothing. And so the Madden people, I wish I could claim credit for it, but the Madden people, they said, hey, let's, let's work on this. So Brandon would do a college game. I would do a pro game. We would meet at the Madden studios on Monday, and we would do updates from the games that were played that weekend. And then by Wednesday, ah. so we would do that Monday and Tuesday. By Wednesday, the updates were available for the player to download right into the game and play immediately. So if you threw three touchdown passes that weekend, Josh, we could get that into the game for the very next week. Trey, if you had panicked, we could, we could pull that off and get that right into the ball game so that now it was updated and it was real and it almost was, you know, it's not live, obviously, but hold on a minute. We're not saying Trey Smith's stats are the same and we know better. We have now updated them. You know, we've <laughs> updated team record, how they did, all those yeah. other things. And that was an inspired move by the people at Madden. And Brandon and I have been doing that, you know, probably well, eight years we've been, we're, we're going on doing this. And then, of course, all the extra that they, that they add to the game with the franchise mode and the legends and, and yep. this that, and everything. And, and I'll be honest and, 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 and say the most grief I get, two things. One, everyone says I criticize them too much for their play selection. And two ratings one i own i say what i say and people get men i don't mean any harm <laughs> two i don't do ratings brandon doesn't do ratings they have a ratings group but you want to get people hopped up now Woo! talk about their Madden ratings <laughs> oh when that Madden rating comes i always Ooh. know when it's out i don't even have to ask because all of a sudden things start jumping on my phone it's like oh no here we go again. twitter's popping every year twitter starts popping <laughs> for Madden ratings I will tell you that there is a gold-jacketed NFL Hall of Famer who grabbed me one day and said, yo, who do I need to talk to about my rating? And he's in the Legends game. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, hey, I hate my speed rating. Why? It's not a 99. Okay, why are you yelling at me? Well, you're the only one I know. Okay, um, can I get you with someone? Absolutely. And then he just grabs me and pulls me close. He goes, hey, when I played, you ever seen anybody catch me in the open field? And I said, no. He goes, then why isn't it a 99? I said, hold on a minute. I literally got my phone, put him on the phone. So that's not my it's job. That's not my job. You guys would crack up. <laughs> 15 minutes later, and I saw him in the corner, and this is what he was doing. <laughs> 
I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. Competitor, competitors back, till the end. It, it handed me my phone and said, thanks. I think my rating's going up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, um, speed. Is it, is it a receiver or running back? Running back. Gold jacket, oh. running back. Yep. Um, was, it, was it LT? Ladanian Thomas. Thomas Joshua Dobbs. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it had to be stolen. Wow. Prideful, but was like the GOAT. You know, yeah. Sound, sound, Joshua Dobbs for the win. <laughs> On the money. I didn't get a chance. Yeah. Speaking of like calling games and stuff. Tell me what is your favorite game you ever called, and tell me why it's the Fiesta Bowl, Boise mm. State versus Oklahoma in 07. So in other words, I have no wiggle room. It's the Fiesta Bowl, Boise State. You have State no wiggle over. room. That, that has to be – that was like the most iconic game. That's the game I literally remember sitting on my parents' couch in the basement and watching the entire game start to finish. They're talking about AP leading up to the game. They're talking about Boise State undefeated. Um, and then the Statue of Liberty at the end of the game, the dude goes to the side, proposes to his girlfriend, and he's on Good Morning America the next yep. Monday. Like, I remember <laughs> everything about that game. So now knowing you called great. that game, why was it your favorite? Well, it was my favorite because of oh, so many things that you just talked about, Josh. And it was kind of my introduction to the true big time because Fox had acquired the rights to the BCS National Championship Games, which was the precursor to the college football playoff. So they had the rights, but guess what Fox didn't have? A regular season package of games all year long. So we orbited mm. in out of the outer space after everyone's listening to Herbie and the crew and Todd Blackledge all year. Here comes this crew, Tom Brenneman, play-by-play, Hall of Fame football coach Barry Alvarez, myself, Chris Myers on the sidelines. And I know this, fans get used to people they're used to hearing, and, and you're okay with that. But a brand new group, who are these guys and why are they calling the biggest game of the year? Well, thank goodness the game was great, as you described. Adrian Peterson for Oklahoma had broken his collarbone midseason. This was his first game back. His substitute mm-hmm. was all Big 12 that year running the football. Okay? They had lost their quarterback in preseason because of this NCAA stuff. And they brought back a, a quarterback, Paul Thompson, that they had moved to receiver in the spring. They had to bring him back to play quarterback. And this happened at the start of training camp. He hadn't even worked out all year as a quarterback. So that was Oklahoma going into the year. Boise State, Chris Peterson was a rookie first-year head coach. So they go undefeated. And now we meet up in this ball game. And, of course, it's David and Goliath. You get the whole idea, just as you described. At Boise State, they punched first, they punched most often, and they were punching throughout the game. And they threw in the trick plays. There's a halfback pass yeah. for a touchdown, right? There, there was the, the yeah. hook and lateral out in midfield. Hook and ladder. Flip. They had Coaches that. are still putting in that play for, for end-of-game right? situations and literally calling it Boise State. And, boom, there it is, and, and there's the reason why. Literally. And they had the advantage, and then Oklahoma made the late run. Here yep. they come. And they got to overtime. <laughs> and I was watching Boise State. And what little bit I do know about football, I could tell a team that had punched all they could punch and there wasn't a whole lot left, right? They had given all they had. And Oklahoma gets the ball to start overtime. And what is the college or 25-yard line, right? Put the ball in the 25 going in. Yep. First yep. snap, they hand it to Peterson. 
and he waltzes into the end zone. And I said to myself, they're done. Boise gets another shot, but this they can't keep going like this. So it formed in my head, what if you score and say, let's we got to get out of here, go for two. And I posed it as a question. Okay. If I posed it as a question, you know, Boise State, I don't know how much they've got left. If they score here, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for two. Boom, they go down, they run their offense, the whole thing. I can't remember. It might have been the halfback pass. And they I think scored. they scored on the trick play. They scored. And it's the halfback pass because they brought in they brought yeah. in the substitute, who's a backup receiver, really, and put him at tailback, flipped it to him. He throws the pass, touchdown. Now we got a game where they're down one because Oklahoma kicked the extra point. Well, I took my binoculars and immediately went down and looked at Chris Peterson, the head coach. And I saw him do this, hold up two. And I jumped in. <laughs> They're going to try and win the football game right now. That's what I'm telling you. I love that. <laughs> and have One of the greatest calls ever. Statue of Liberty, boom, Jared Zabransky, Ian Johnson. He goes in, throws the ball up in the stands. Place goes crazy. I won't even bring up Appalachian State, Michigan, the first thing that was ever on air for Big Ten Network. No, you called I, that too? I won't I won't say that I, I was I was part of the broadcast team for that with Tom Brenneman and Carissa Thompson. I won't say that. I won't say that Big Ten Network, when it came on air for the very first time ever, welcome to Michigan Stadium, where today the Appalachian State Mountaineers, two-time defending one double-A national champions, take on the fifth-ranked University of Michigan Wolverines with high aspirations and hopes for not only a Big Ten championship, but a national championship. That's why Jake Long stayed in school. It was Jake Long. It was, it was Chad Henney. And, and who was the tail? Mike Hart was Chad the tailback. Henney. They were loaded. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yep. My QB coach in college, Coach Sheridan, was a quarterback yep. on that Michigan team. And, all, and so, obviously, it comes full circle. We are playing App State my senior year to start off the season at yeah, home. Thursday, Thursday night. night you game. scared the heck out of us, by the way, just so you guys know. That. I know. I, 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 <laughs> I know. I still can't go back and watch the game because the whole week, I feel like he was just having PTSD leading up to it because he lived through it once as a player. Now he's the coach. He's like, hey, App State, open up We're the year at this. home. Underdogs never can underestimate them. <laughs> Well, the thing about that App State, that App State yep. program, real quick, they had won two straight national championships. So they were a yep. really good football team. But still, should they have beaten Michigan? No, not in the big house, the whole deal. Well, after that, during that season, App State went and won their third straight. That's how good that team yeah. was to beat Michigan. They won their third straight national title. Now, Charles, I do have one question. Uh, in today's day and age, with you know social media and different level of access with fans, how do you deal with critique and criticism from like fans and colleagues? Well, it's a great question, Trey, and 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 it comes with the territory. As you grow older, your skin typically toughens up a little bit more. Things that hurt you more younger don't hurt you as much older, or you know how to balance it. 
Mm-hmm. I was on social media for a long time. I actually made a decision in August of 2020 to get off of social media entirely. And I thought I would have buyer's remorse mm-hmm. because there's a lot of great on social media. There's information, there's news, it's up to the minute. You find out things you wouldn't get before. I am essentially the guy now that has an analog phone and I'll, <laughs> something happens at 10 in the morning and I might find out by around four o'clock that afternoon. <laughs> but it also helps me because I feel like I have enough people critiquing me. I have my bosses who give me critiques. I have my colleagues who can critique me. I have myself. And that's good critique. That's really good. You're a better broadcaster when your team wins. I can just tell you, I'm much better. I've gone to airports, and this is no joke, and I can pull people out who can tell you. Game's <laughs> over. Right to the airport. I'll be in line to get my ticket, and someone turn and go, oh, I just saw you call the game. You're the most biased uh, announcer I've ever seen. You hate my team. You absolutely <laughs> hate my team. I'm sorry you feel that way, ma'am. I apologize for you feeling that way. I'll call it straight. You are terrible. Yes, okay, thank you. I say it being funny, but that's the passion that the fans bring to us. And by the way, mm-hmm. we as announcers, we should actually welcome a lot of that because that means these people are locked in. They're invested. They care. Hey, those are those are wide, wise words. You know, they say the fans were in the stands, man. It wouldn't be as big of a game as it really is. So God bless them. the passionate fans, we love them. We love them. We love them. They're they're we're not yep. Got to have them. Got to yeah. have them, too. So, Charles, I know also um, with calling football games and everything, you're also involved a lot in the draft yeah. and the processes. Talk about how much just over the years, the dra- just the draft and the combine process has changed from your perspective and kind of where you see it going in the near future. I'll make it simple for both of you. As a player, when I came out in 1986, I got invited to the combine in 1987 in Indianapolis. It's the old RCA dome. It was that turf that was concrete and painted. Remember those? Right, you guys hopefully missed mm-hmm. all of that. It was awful, right? But I went to that, um, did not know what the drills would be, did not know what was expected of me. There was no real preparation. You know, there was no Mike Mamula breaking the test and teaching us how to do it. There's none of that for me. I didn't pick up on it. A few guys learned a few things along the way. They brought track spikes to run the 40, things of that nature. I ran in my heavy old uh, Nike Air um, turf shoes. So, you know, I ran a 4.62 in those turf shoes. So I feel pretty good about that. I, I might have gotten the light. Did they have the light Adidas shoes for you guys, the little feather shoes they're running now? Yeah, no, no, no. I had those big clod hoppers. Okay. I, I, all black. If they've been dress shoes, they would have been brogans. Okay, so, <laughs> so so I go to that combine. Fast forward to the evolution of what you see now. You guys can speak to it better than anyone to see what's asked of you, the testing, the demands. But you know these things are coming. You are preparing for them in your off season before you get to the combine. You're going to these private facilities to work out. You're getting the best nutrition. You're working on the board so that you're ready for when these coaches ask you about break down your offense, tell me your blocking assignments. What happens here if you see this look? You know, Josh, what happens when they show this look when we overload to this side and we want to run this and you're taking them all the way through all that stuff? This is the evolution of it all. You guys are the smartest football players there, have, there has ever been. 
fast forward to the draft. Pete Rozelle was the commissioner of the NFL when ESPN approached him about televising it. And he was like incredulous. He's like, he literally said, who would watch that? And then when he finally gave his blessing, he said, well, if you want to do it, go ahead. But he had no hopes that it would be anything. Somewhere, Commissioner Roselle is looking down at us going, oh, my goodness. This is it's evolved. A, it's like the biggest sports event in the spring, isn't it? It's bigger than it, it all is. the other sporting events, the draft weekends. You know, I guess, Charles, a little bit with the draft, too. I, I heard you make a lot mm -hmm. of mock drafts. Uh, can you speak on some guys that you guys thought was – Gonna be a high round draft pick. Yeah. Ended up being a bus, you know, overall in the draft. So speak a little bit of some guys. Yeah, seen Trey, that you know what area. happens for us every single year. Like you, you do this and and you go through and you're ranking guys. And when you're doing a mock draft, part of it is your own evaluation. Part of it is talking to people you trust around the league. Part of it is seeing the momentum of how things are going and 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 knowing past drafts how that general manager handled them, what type of player they may like. I'll tell you about some I missed on in a second. Mm -hmm. Trayvon Walker, I moved him to number one in my mock draft probably a month before the draft. Wow. I was one of the er I was one of the early ones wow. to do. I'm not gonna say I was the first, because who knows, right? But I was pretty early yeah. on Trayvon Walker ahead yeah. of Aiden Hutchinson. And people thought I lost my mind. But that was based on Trent Balky being the GM of, of, of Jacksonville. If you look at his drafts in San Francisco. Trayvon Walker was, was exhibit A. He's exactly what he had drafted high before. Yeah. Body type, potential, traits, and I got lucky. Mm. Now, how many have I missed? Oh, the list is long, 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 long. <laughs> Aaron Curry, who's a coach in the league and a really good coach. He's with the Steelers now. He came out of Wake Forest a, few, a number of years ago, and he was the – and every year you always hear this – he was the safest pick in the draft. There's always one guy who's the safest pick in the draft because we think his ceiling is high and his floor is high. That means he's going to play for 10 years. He's going to be fine. Aaron Curry had a rough go, didn't make it. He was number six overall pick. And when he went, it was acclaimed as a great pick. Didn't work out. Why didn't it work out? He was not a pass rusher in college, and he was an outside linebacker. Rule of thumb, Wrong Davis, pit. make a note. Don't take an outside linebacker who doesn't rush the passer. Yeah, give us something positive. Like, give us something where you were spot on. You okay, are you guys on with, with, with are you talk. are you guys watching quarterback? The Netflix series? Uh, I've not watched it yeah. yet. When you get a chance, people watch it. I think that they did a great job. Of course, it's, it's done by Tennessee Vol, Peyton Manning, Omaha Productions. I no, watched all eight episodes, and I texted Peyton and said, hey, nice job on quarterback. I just one question. Is there ever anything you do that's just like mediocre or average? Is there ever anything that's just, you know, eh? <laughs> Everything he touches is spectacular, right? The reason I bring that up is, is oh. the year that Robert Griffin III went number two overall behind Andrew Luck, Washington drafted Kirk Cousins in the fourth round in that same draft. Yeah, I remember lost that. Their mind. People are like, this is the good, but God, this is terrible. You can find the tape somewhere. I was on record as liking the pick because he's going to be better than your current backup. I don't care that he's a rookie. You grow with him. You do things, blah, blah. 
Did I think we'd get to this level? Probably not. But I jumped on that pick right then and there. Oh yeah. Okay. So you yeah, you have some you have some bangers in there for sure. <laughs> All right, before before we go, you got no, no. you got the Tennessee Vols repping on your hat. Yes. Um, what do you yes, think sir. about our squad for this upcoming year? I'm excited about them as always. You know, we're excited every year. We're more excited than what we've seen lately. What Coach Heupel and his staff have done has just been phenomenal. The last time we felt like that was you guys were there. And then you gave us Appalachian stay scared the heck out of us. But you but, <laughs> give you a heart attack. <laughs> but you righted the ship and went to Bristol and took care of business and went on and the whole deal and beat Florida and all that. And we were that close. We were right there in the press. You guys did a wonderful job for us. Last year's crew was a similar crew. Finally beat Alabama, beat Florida, you know, put ourselves in a position where that Georgia game absolutely meant it's the game of the game of the year, right? The game in the country. Yep. That's where this team yep. is. Yep. But now they got to go out and prove it again. Last year, I, I kind of liken them to a little bit like the Lions in the NFL this year. Last year, the Lions were the lovable team coming out of hard knocks. People liked them. Wow, they're, oh, wow, mm-hmm. they're doing it. And they come out one and six. Had to resurrect themselves and then finish strong. This year, they're probably the favorites in their division, okay? Now it's a different different feel. Well, what we did last year in Knoxville was a little bit like those Lions. This is great. Oh, that feels good. Can we follow it up? I like where Coach Heupel has us. I like where the mm-hmm. program is. I like the way we go about business. I'm eager to see Joe Milton following footsteps of yours, Josh Dobbs. The offensive line, Trey, it feels to me like we keep building oh, yeah. up on that where people are coming in and looking like you and, you know, look like Darnell. And, you know, we're starting to start to get guys who want to yep. be there and be some bullies up front. I like just like where the program is. But where are we? We still got to chase down Georgia in our division, and you never take Florida for granted if you're a Tennessee Vol, that's for sure. And then on the flip side, LSU-Alabama seems to be the fist fight on the West right now. That's the craziest thing about our schedule. Yep. Like, every time you look at Thought it, it you're like, okay, we're, we're going to have a good year. Maybe the East is down a little bit, and then you look at just the gauntlet of teams <laughs> you have to play in the heart of the season. Like, this year they have – at Florida, UTSA at home, which is a top 20 team, yeah. Texas A&M, Alabama, uh, South Carolina thrown in there somewhere. Then you get a bye week, and then you play a Georgia team, like, off their bye week, too. It's just like – and everyone, as to your point, like, last year it was, okay, what can they do? They go out, they play so well. This year it's like everyone knows they're coming. Everyone knows how fast they're going to play on offense. Everyone knows, like, the deep ball is going to be a thing. They know what to expect. Yeah. And to your point, it's like, okay, can, can you do it when everyone knows exactly what you're going to do? That's a true testament of a good program. Well, Charles, it's, just wanted to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today. Uh, best of luck on another great season in the booth. It's always amazing to see VFLs doing great things and inspiring future VFLs to do the same and follow in those footsteps. But Josh and I just really wanted to thank you for taking the time out. It's been amazing just hearing some of the stories and really all that goes into the daily day-to-day events of your life. Well, I appreciate that, Trey. You and Josh, let me tell you something. Having me on, I said in the beginning it was an honor. I mean that. Thomas, Beach, everyone there, all of us VFLs, I appreciate it. But speaking directly to you, Trey, directly to you, Josh, let me tell you something. I'm 58 years old, so I'm a veteran Vol, okay? What you two have done in playing in Tennessee – 
going to school at Tennessee and grabbing those degrees that you grabbed and continuing to carry us forward in how you represent us day in and day out. We are grateful to the two of you and the rest of the people who follow in your footsteps. Because now when I say University of Tennessee, I get Trey Smith, I get Josh Dobbs, I get these names that come rolling back at me because of what you established. And let me tell you something, that feels good for this old man because you make the rest of us look better by what you do and your perseverance, your stick-to-itiveness to it, like Coach Majors used to say, Josh, what you did at the end of last year with Tennessee, phenomenal. Trey, how you handled draft day and the disappointment there and then prove the fact where we had you ranked was accurate, not where you were drafted. You make us all look good, and I can't thank you, the two of you and all the rest of you VFLs enough. Thank you so much. No doubt, my man. VFLs for life, man. Balls for life. Thank you, Charles. Appreciate you, my man.